Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I'm having a lot of trouble believing that summer is almost over. <laughs> I am David Moore. I have been doing a lot of summer reading, uh, more gaming than I have in literal years, and I've been uh, looking forward to seeing what our minions have done to refurbish the layer between, between our seasons. That is right. Season three. Season three, right? Inaugural episode of season three. Sort of. There was like an interstitial episode yesterday because I thought we were recording yesterday, but forgot. Uh, even even didn't look at my calendar or whatever. So I ended up streaming my building of a Tailspire map instead. Going, why? Where's Ken? I don't know where Ken is. <laughs> even though we'd talked about that already, but you know, lost in time and space. Yep. Yeah, it being first uh, first episode of season three, thought we'd get caught up a little bit with what's been happening end of summer, end of my con season. Don't know if it's the end of your con season, Ken. I didn't have a con season, okay, David. <laughs> All right, my con season consisted of Gen Con, so uh, that was it. It is more of a con season than I had, so gotcha. have at it. A couple of things happened uh, at Gen Con. I had applied for us to have a, a media badge, a press badge at Gen Con, and they said, we'll put you on the waiting list. And then a couple weeks later, they said, hey, by the way, you're press. And I was like, oh, really? OK, great. I've been there as press before for the old Game Master show, uh, have not been there as press in several years. And uh, it was interesting this time. Um, they had some a couple of. Uh, bad experiences with the like they used to let press into like the great hall where you you can buy things and stuff like that they used to let press in early so they could have interviews where it was more quiet and more uh people were still setting up but could talk that sort of thing right and there were some people who were who had press credentials that were like oh i could buy tons of stuff here without without lots of crowds around and and uh that was no bueno. And so they no longer allow that. So that was that was a bit of a disappointment. I was able to hang out in a couple of different areas that I hadn't before. Uh, I spent a lot of time at the Writers Symposium this year. Friend of the show, Matt Forbeck, uh, and a couple of other people. Crowd there is not quite back to the pre-pandemic like highs of 70,000, but there were a good 50,000 people there. Uh, wow. this year they had not on, last year, they had a mask requirement this year. They also had a mask requirement, but since it's been long enough, unfortunately COVID is still around. They also had a vaccination requirement. So you had to go in and, uh, show your vaccination proof of vaccination and your, and your ID and stuff like that. And they gave you, they gave you a wristband that you needed to wear all weekend. Seemed like everything went pretty well with that in terms. I thought that was going to be crazy trying to get that that wristband. It took me longer to walk through stanchions that zigzag back and forth than it did to show my car two cards and then go hold out your wrist and they put put the thing on. So was not hard at all. Uh, and it seemed like 50,000 gamers were okay with that. So that was that was really nice. Again, the writer symposium was really good. Uh, got me in, more inspired to write again. See if it sticks is, the, is my problem. So what is the writer symposium? Because uh, I never did this. Good, good point. I should probably explain what the writer symposium is. So uh, the writer symposium is a group of professional authors um, that are different. A lot of, every, um, you know, there are some that are regulars that come back year after year, but there are some that uh, that rotate in and out. Um, and I started going, I checked it out last year or no, the year before last it was it was interesting. It was it was fun. It talks about the the craft of writing, the craft of getting published. There's a, a wide range of different talks that you can go to, hosted by different people. I, I already mentioned Matt Forbeck. Thank you. Uh, but like Michael Stackpole was there. Uh, R. A. Salvatore was there. Um, several other authors that I can't remember all their names were there. Uh, and, uh, from a wide variety of not just all fantasy or, or science fiction, but also a couple of other genres, but all of these authors also enjoy gaming. 
Um, there are also some authors that came from, um, I'm going to call them authors because most of them have at least have published some books, but they also are video game writers as well. Oh, cool. Unknown to a lot of people outside of the writing craft. Uh, if you don't hit it and are able to consistently sell books, it is not a living wage. You, you know, you don't sell your first novel and go, I'm retired. You know, unless <laughs> unless you sell millions of copies, which hardly anyone does. Um, so video games and script and yeah, screenwriting and script writing, um, those those that's where the money's at. If you are an author uh, and you really want to uh, make being an author your job. Um, and so there is a, a lot of people there who have done that in the past. And it, it was good to hear all of that. Uh, it was it was good to hear all about the craft. It, it's not creative writing class. It is much more okay. on the business of it. But it, but there is the occasional advice on how do you get your ideas, which is like one of uh, the uh, an author who is on a panel like that. That is like the worst question, the yet the most <laughs> often asked question ever. Right. <laughs> and because it's. If you're having ideas, you don't necessarily take the time to think about how you have those ideas. You already have them. But if you don't right. have those ideas, you don't know the process to get them, you know, to to kickstart your imagination. Right. So but there were some panels along those lines. But that was not all I did at Gen Con. Uh, I also uh, played a couple of games of Sparks, which is the Star Wars living campaign that's been going on for, I believe, a quarter of a century now. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it is it is a West End Games Star Wars, which would could be considered like the very first edition of a Star Wars role playing game out there. Uh, it's still a good system. Uh, there's, it's a D six based system with the wild die. Um, I think a couple of other systems have grown out of it since then. Uh, that is one of the books. Yep. That is the second edition of that book. Yeah, I can do this now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, second edition. There's a, there's a slightly better edition than that. Uh, if you're looking for rules, clarifications, which is a second edition revised and expanded. Um, gotcha. but if you, but if you're, if you join sparks, like dear Lord, there's like a binder this thick of like, <laughs> I mean, we've been, the, that group has been going for 25 years and a lot of questions have been asked and a lot of other things have happened. I have wanted to kind of wipe the rules back. Sometimes there's just too many rules, right? With a living campaign, you know, sometimes you need Sometimes you need that because you can't run it like a home campaign. Right. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. I saw a lot of a lot of friends that I've that I see at Gen Con or at other conventions that play Sparks. And it was good to see all those people. Finally, uh, I actually didn't buy a whole lot. I did. I did get this. I don't know if it's right way up or not, but it's uh, my Moadib in the Fremen concert <laughs> shirt. Um, nice. <laughs> and it, it's got all the all their locations that they've visited in the back on the back. I got that and a couple of others. I ha I made a deal with Aaron that for every t-shirt I got at Gen Con, I would get rid of two old ones. <laughs> she was happy for that. So, so, you know, I've, it's been so long since I've been to Gen Con. I haven't been to Gen Con since I think 2014. And so I haven't really acquired any more t-shirts, right? Like I have, generically geeky t-shirts that you get at like old navy or whatever right like i picked up over the years but not like the very niche kind of t-shirts that you could get at gen con yeah so yeah and this was a this was an interesting little shop um and i will we could probably put it in the uh show notes but like what attracted you what attracts people to the shop initially is uh, they have these window clings for like the side lights, like next to your front door if you have a house. Okay. Um, the little rectangular windows, and um, they're all stained glass looking. So they're 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 window clings, um, but they all look like stained glass cutout stuff. So we have like Princess Leia done up as kind of like uh, uh, like a a religious figure. Um, we've, I've got, uh, what is it? I've got the Falcon, 
and I've got I, I've got like five of them right now. Um, and then there is a gamer's welcome with a big stained glass looking D20. Um, uh, but unfortunately, their window clings are wider than my windows. Um, they're for like a wider side. So right. five of them, I was able to slice off the left and right and it still fit. And then it fit perfectly and it looks good. Uh, the D20 did not. So it's it. I put it on another window. But that's also where I got this shirt. We're gonna we're gonna order a, an Obi Wan Kenobi uh, is being sent to us. Um, so we'll have we'll have that to get, to fill in our our sixth side light there. So it's balanced, you know, balanced to the force, as one does. <laughs> and uh, but uh, one last thing I wanted to say uh, was our Talzorian Games, who make. Uh, Cyberpunk Red and uh, Mechton and several other games uh, with the interlock system, which I hadn't heard the name interlock system in years and years and didn't realize it was still being used. But it is, is uh, they had what they called a cozy chat, which is normally like, hey, if anybody wants to go out to the bar, we'll go we'll be there so that you can come <laughs> out and chat with us. Uh, but being COVID, you're not going to go out to the bar and have your masks off. So they have they had a little room and we all uh, there's some other fans, uh, gamers uh, sat down. And, and I actually had a really good chat with James Hutt, who is their uh, lead uh, designer at Artelsorian Games right now. Uh, had a really interesting chat, talked enough about it that I at the end of that, I was like, can I buy um, cyberpunk red and the tales from the red module book plonked down a lot of money. Um, but they're also part of bits and mortar. So I also got the PDFs about two weeks or two, three weeks after Gen Con. I got, I got a copy of the PDFs as well as the physical books, which is nice. Very, very nice. But he may, uh, he gave me his card and said, cause I mentioned, you know, I was, I was press. I was with layer of secrets. Um, and he's like, Hey, pulls out his card, writes his, his uh, better email address for me to get a hold of him <laughs> onto it and says, Hey, if you want me on the podcast, I love being on podcasts. So uh, we, we may have him on in season three, but uh, I understand nice. you also, you did have a con season. It may not be Gen I have, Con. No, no, it's, I will have a con season. Oh, it you is, will have a con coming. season. Okay. Yeah, so, so tell uh, us about this. Yeah. Uh, Mapicon is our local regional convention. It, it It's taken place primarily in the Poconos. It actually started off in the Lehigh Valley. So the Lehigh Valley is east in Allentown and Bethlehem. Allentown, like the Billy Joel song, we're like two hours north of Philadelphia, hour and change west of New York. Um, and then the Poconos is above that, right? So, you know, honeymoons and all of that if you're from the Northeast. And so... Um, it's basically the legacy of all these great little regional cons that we used to have back in the day, like Lehigh Con and Vogel Con and what have you. And they've had it in Scranton. They had it in Clark Summit. They had it in um, a couple of different locations up in the Poconos, which for me means it's somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour away. So getting there became, you know, you have to you have to get a hotel room, which isn't a problem, right? Like, you know, we get a con, we get a hotel room, we hang out, a bunch of us would go from the Black Razor Guild and, and it's good. But now it's moving to the Lehigh Valley, mm. which means it's going to be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Sure State Plus Hotel, which I don't I've, I don't I've probably driven past it, but I right. don't actually know where it is. Um, so, so it goes words, from being 45 minutes. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You were about to say what I was going to ask. So it goes from being like 45 to 60 minutes away to being like 15. Right. Like I can just jump Can't. in the Jeep, drive over to Bethlehem, could stay there. I could also just commute from my house like it's it's great. <laughs> 15 minutes is uh, like Gen Con is 30 minutes from my house and we commuted every day. It would be nice if it was a shorter commute, if the hotel prices weren't so expensive and then I might actually be tempted to stay overnight. Uh, 15 minutes would be just amazing. Yes. Um, and, and so it would be, it would be pretty cool. It's a small con, you know, I mean, over the years it's, it's ranged from like, I think like a hundred to 200, maybe 250 at, at its height. It's a little been smaller in recent years. Um, cause of COVID they only just started meeting again, I think within the last, within the last year. Okay. Um, so hopefully being, being in the Lehigh Valley, I suspect it will draw, it may draw more because a lot of the gamers that I know are it's like the Lehigh Valley is just a metropolitan area. We've got a lot of people. Um, more so than I think up in the Pocono. So mm -hmm. 
I'm looking forward to it. I did actually, I, I take it back. I had, I did have a, a, a con this summer. It was Hardy Con. I don't think we talked about this on the last show. I don't think it's so. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we recorded. It so, is true. Um, one of my friends uh, decided that uh, he wanted to get a bunch of us back together again and game in the real world. We've all been itching to play in the real world. And so uh, he rented two hotel rooms and we got together and we gamed pretty much all day Saturday. So we actually um, got together on Friday night and kind of like hung out and uh, and did some stuff and then and just like chatted and, and caught up. And then awesome. uh, we went and played a lot of uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Nice. And uh, Castles and Crusades. Nice. Which was fantastic. So, so I got to know um, with Dungeon Crawl Classics, did you just run the zero, zero level funnel or did you get like beyond first level? Uh, we no, we we ended in. Uh, we we ended at first level. We only did okay. the, the first level funnel. OK. Yeah, I have. So we have one person who never played before. So I've never progressed beyond zero <laughs> level. Like I've had characters survive uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, you know, like, uh, but but have never played subsequent adventures with them. And the the other cool thing that we did is, and I I'd almost forgot to mention this on Friday, a bunch of us went up to the Poconos. And we went to the Frank Frazetta Museum. So there's oh, a nice. small museum. Yeah, I'd heard about Strasburg. it. It's it's really small, and um, I think his his son gave us a tour. Like you can pay for the tour, and it was like fifteen twenty dollars or what have you, right? And so they, yep. he walks you through like what it was like living with his dad. I mean, like, and he he had like these different just talking about how his dad worked, right? And like you know, uh, not unsurprising. I think when it comes to creatives, right? Like he would have these times where he had a deadline and a deadline, and he just wasn't painting, wasn't painting, and then like paints in a mad frenzy and like sends it off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the day yep. it was due, right? Um, you know, throwing out like painting over old canvas, and and his his son's like, "What are you doing? That's great." And he's like, "Ah, you know, I got this deadline. I got to get this thing done." He's like, "I will go buy you more canvas." Yes, right? so yep. it was really cool. You know, it's it's um, it's worth stopping by if you if you have the opportunity. It's very small, nice. um, but it's got like a lot of his a lot of his original artwork and and it was cool to kind of like get the the background behind it like you know we got those classic conan covers right oh, like yeah. it's just uh it was cool so we got together and we played you know a bunch of different games and it was fun cool very cool so i am i am looking forward to mepicon being close because there's a number of us who are here whom i haven't been able to see in a while and i suspect they will all want to go to the con um it gives me a chance mepicon has always been the place where like i don't usually run D and will play savage like I'll, I'll i will run games just so that i can run something different so i'll run savage worlds i'll run no no maybe i'll run dungeon crawl classics right um games that i want to play that's where i've been able to play them is at Mepicon. right so i'm looking forward to the move nice nice the last time we talked we did go over a summer reading list yes the minions have been doing work in the lair on our library stuff <laughs> you've been talking online about rpg a day so tell Indeed us about rpg a day and what you've been talking about yeah so rpg a day is in its ninth year and so it's basically kind of a a, a post fest sort of thing that a bunch of different bloggers are participating in um, i have to say i've been posting more than i've been reading i feel bad about that but august was kind of bunkers um but it's cool so basically each day there's a prompt and then you write about that particular prompt. So examples are like, what make what is a great introductory RPG? Um, when were you first introduced to RPGs? What would be your perfect game? Uh, suggestion Sunday, recommend a game to friends. So like I talked about uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's cool. It's inspired some conversation on uh, on Twitter, both on the Lair Secrets account and on uh, my Nuketown and New Havoc accounts, which has been nice. I mean, that's part of it, right? Like is right. the community and being able to talk about these things, reminiscing um, and getting new ideas, right? Like people pitch different things as you're going along and you're like, oh, well, wow, I should totally check that out. Um, in the last two years, I tried to do it, but I had a hard time with it because they did one word prompts like mm. brave. And I don't know, I would just get a mental block trying to write about brave, brave right. or curious right whereas if they ask you a question it is much easier to just give them an answer right right and they can get a little repetitive like they're like they kind of there's definitely a theme to it right so it's like what would make a great introductory rpg where would you like to run an introductory game who would you like to introduce to games right mm -hmm. um 
but I think it's I think it it was good to get like different opinions from different folks and to to see what was out there. Um, so I'm a little behind. I have a few more. I have a few posts queued up, but I needed to get up here to get books to take pictures to, for the featured image on Nuketown. So uh, that was my procrastination. I didn't. I wasn't able to make it upstairs because we had a house guest who was uh, had taken over my office and game room. Right. Um, which very lovely person. It was one of my one of my daughter's friends, but uh, it meant that I did not have access to my game room for two weeks. So it was right. a little more challenging. Gotcha. Um, well, I, uh, mentioned this earlier was, uh, after checking out our Talzorian's, you know, cozy chat setup, uh, picked up cyberpunk red and, uh, tales of the red They're They're basically their module source book. Um, and, uh, after I've, I started actually, uh, with the tales of the red module book, um, one of the piece of advice, I can't remember where it came from, which is annoying, uh, but was if you want to know how the designer, how the designers or the company of the role playing game would like you to play the game, read the modules that they publish. Um, right. That doesn't mean you have to play them, but it it sets the tone for what what that setting and how those rules should kind of kind of go off um for instance uh we've been playing a little bit of Spelljammer, like their their prequel stuff and uh there's a fair amount of serious but also a fair amount of silly in there as well um but in terms of cyberpunk red i was really impressed with uh how little text they were able to use to make a really solid adventure. Um, and I'm not talking like two or three things. It was, it was like, I think it's six or seven total pages, but the, there's a fair amount of role playing in it. There's a couple combats in it. Uh, cause it's cyberpunk. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of investigation stuff in it, uh, slash planning, um, something that Aaron might be interested in as opposed to like scum and villainy where it's like, <laughs> no, you don't get to plan. You plan retroactively. Um, and, and so this is kind of like the flip side of that. It's like, you should plan ahead. You should investigate. You should dig into details. Um, and given what I've heard about like call of Cthulhu, it would kind of like fit in that same bucket for me. Okay. Um, and I, I was really impressed with the writing of it as well. Like it's very evocative for as few of a as few pages as they have in that module. Um, you know, normally I've seen uh, modules that are you know thirty or forty pages that are not as good as these six or seven were. were. Um, so it. it Reminded me as well why I enjoyed Cyberpunk in the past. I used to play a lot of Shadowrun. I uh, never picked up Cyberpunk because I was like, man, I, yeah, Cyberpunk's cool, but Cyberpunk plus magic is even more cool. And then <laughs> I, you know, reading Cyberpunk Red and the and the history they have in there. I don't know what the original Cyberpunk 2020 was, how it was written, but I really like the history that's behind this, and it does not need magic. Um, and so it's, it's been, I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I'd like to play it, uh, and or run it sometime within this next year. Um, like the history seems like it could have happened. Like it's an alternate history. Like right now we'd be in the midst of cyberpunk cause it's, gotcha. you know, the original was 2020. Like we're two years past that. Um, you know, uh, but like, like in some video games, like in prey, uh, the prey video game, I don't know if you're familiar with that one or not, but like some video games have an alternate history that, you know, like fallout branches off right. from our history in probably the fifties or sixties. Um, and so they're a different technology base and a different political structure. Um, and this is kind of the same sort of thing as like things drifted apart around the 1980s. Um, right. And so uh, it's really neat seeing that 
in the way that it that it works right now. Uh, I think Cyberpunk Red is set. I haven't dug in too. I haven't dug in far enough to figure this out. I, mean, I think it's slightly before cy the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven video game. Um, but you could th you could just as easily set it during the same time. Um, so uh, I don't know. I I want to put it on our list of games to play. So. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm definitely curious after you, you've talked about it and I went out and researched it a bit. You're right. Like it, they talked about it, it landing in between Cyberpunk 2020 and, and Cyberpunk 2077. So uh, it's cool. Like to, to your point, I think I was in the same headspace with Shadowrun, right? Like I had just read Neuromancer and it's like, yeah. oh, this is great. But and for me, I don't know that it was a conscious choice. I don't think I even knew that Cyberpunk existed. I think it was probably because there was no Internet. Uh, <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that well, was just was, like, you know, but you had to be to, in well, college and on Usenet user groups right. or whatever. I'd have to be like paying way more attention to Usenet than I was yeah. at the time. Yeah. Right? The, like, so, the you know, marketing, <laughs> yeah, the marketing back then was go to your local game store or go to uh, Walden Books or B Dalton, which no longer exists. You know, go to your local bookstore right. and it might be there. And, and and I was in lock right <laughs> yeah and and Go ahead. I know the other reason why I picked up Shadowrun is probably because it was in those stores and Cyberpunk 2020 was not it might have been in game stores because I know I saw physical copies of it but it was also made by FASA who made BattleTech and I was I'm always been a huge fan of BattleTech so it's like oh FASA okay yeah Shadow I'm picking up Shadowrun right. And I went to college at, uh, in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, which is this tiny little town. Um, great town. I mean, I loved I loved my my time in Lock Haven, but it was small. It's next to State College, which is where Penn State is. And gotcha. so maybe a handful of times in the in my whole time at at um, at Lock Haven did I venture to State College. And one of those times was to go see Highlander too. <laughs> so you know, there, I didn't go to the bookstores to check stuff out. So it was kind of just like word of mouth and what you had. Yep. Had around campus. Yep. And I think the Mosaic browser, like the first time I ever saw it was in 1994, <laughs> which is the year I graduated. So yeah. now that we've uh, fully dated ourselves, I'm totally down <laughs> with uh, with playing some cyberpunk. I think it would be it would be a lot of fun. I, I'm sad that I was not able to run. Uh, I don't have anything capable of running cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> well, uh, you were going to check out, I think, the NVIDIA. Uh, yes. Thing, yes, this and, is true. And you could probably use that. But um, yes, but yeah, uh, I haven't picked it up for a while. I never finished it. Um, I didn't run into all the bugs that lots and lots of people on the Internet ran into, but I probably should pick it up again after all this. Probably after November is what I'm thinking, because I got a lot of stuff between now and November that is just going to eat up my time. So um, I want to uh, but I'll probably pick it up maybe over christmas break or something i'll pick it up again and play it but i'd rather i got distracted rather play <laughs> i'd rather play cyberpunk red than a video game personally but yeah no i can see that i can see that i got distracted by a bunch of video games over the summer too but that's not for this episode maybe that'll be a uh, episode two all right okay <laughs> um we did have one thing uh the minions unearthed uh our loot locker um and uh this is a new thing uh I uh, so they unearthed it um, and uh, our friends, John and Laura uh, over at Omnihedral, who are in um, Baltimore area, uh, Savage Mill, actually, uh, Maryland, uh, they they run a game shop. So Omnihedral is a game shop. And I was visiting during free RPG day and uh, they had gotten a lot of product, but not all of it had gotten snapped up by the end of that weekend. And so as I was leaving, I was like, hey, can I take some of this and, uh, you know, like go ahead and, and you know, give it away to some of our listeners. Um, so we have uh, a couple of things like level one, which is a uh, free RPG day. It's an in indie RPG anthology. So this is like one or two page RPGs. And it's a oh, cool. fairly thick book from it. Um, fairly, I know a few of the authors in here and a bunch I don't. Um, so there are, uh, you know, it's 
and it also kind of gives the idea like there are some games that talk about things like the x card or lines and veils or things like that um this actually also gives all the rules for those um if you were wondering what those were um i also picked up uh homeland revelations which i believe is based on the video game um and okay. so this is their their really thick uh fairly thick quick start um their quick start is 63 pages long or so and a bunch of nice uh nice color pre-made characters to go with it um so uh then we have the root role-playing game uh it is their their quick start which is also pretty pretty beefy uh at like 32 33 pages but it's it's like a full eight and a half by 11 sort of size uh based on the board game uh, i've got a we've got several copies of each of these uh and more so uh we have a familiar problem which is from darrington press which is the people which is the critical role gaming arm of critical role um we've got stuff for starfinder and pathfinder um they have the skitter warp and a fistful of flowers uh, which I which I understand is they every RPG day, free RPG day, they have like for Starfinder, it's always skitter based. And OK, for, <laughs> and uh, I think it's similar for um, for Pathfinder as well. Uh, we have. Uh, Epic Encounters, Bridge of the Dwargar cult. I don't know who that is from. Uh, like, I don't know if it's from a particular game, um, it's SFG. It has a very similar like art style to Morkborg, but I don't think it's related to Morkborg. Um, gotcha. It's uh, it's Epic Encounters is their um, designed to take your fantasy role-playing games to the next level. So I think this is just some, this is kind of like a, uh, a module and or a uh yeah it's a set of modules and encounters in a, a dorgar cult so uh and then you were talking dungeon crawl classics we have <laughs> danger in the air um so your your poor zero level adventurers your four or five zero level adventurers get to go through danger in the air uh from what i understand especially from this cover is you could probably run it as a mutant crawl classics uh level zero as well um and then finally we only have one copy of each of these we have an iron kingdoms uh iron kingdoms one and then a the three wizard conundrum uh adventure module so this is a level three adventure module this is a 5e compatible but it's set in the iron kingdoms so um from privateer press which is the makers of the mini game the skirmish mini game i'm trying to remember what the name of it is um but it's set in the iron kingdoms which is where that skirmish piece comes from that skirmish, same skirmish game comes from where you basically pay like steampunk mecca oh cool um, was it war machine war machine that is it yes um power of the internet yes <laughs> so if any of you want to get your hands on these things uh what you uh um oh and and one of our our twitch viewers did just <laughs> pop in with war machine as well thank you chris <laughs> uh if any of you want to get your hands on on some of this uh it's kind of a first come first serve basis uh what i'll do is I'm going to bundle up one of everything that I can. Uh, and uh, if you go out on Twitter and uh, tag us, tag at Layer of Secrets in it, as we see these come in, um, I will, I you know, Ken or I will contact you via direct message and figure out how to get this stuff to you. 
but that is that's what we have for free rpg day um and if no one collects it well i'm gonna go to my local gaming shop and see if they want it or i'm gonna give it to my kids and say here give this to your yourself and or other gaming friends or i'll send it to you ken yeah well <laughs> i wouldn't say no okay <laughs> you can always i clearly i need more gaming stuff so. right right <laughs> Yeah, it's the funny. The funny thing is, for those of you who have seen, who have who have watched either Twitch or watched us on YouTube, we've always seen Ken's game room it, from ninety degrees from where he's sitting now, which has some cool wall art and stuff like that. But the, but we've never seen his actual bookshelf, and that's the bookshelves behind him. Um, and so it's pretty awesome. Um, I thought to kick off season three, I would I would try out the because, uh, you know, it's easy to grab stuff like occasionally yeah. when we're talking. Right. Like I got stuff. You never know when you're going to need to reference reference a crystal skull. Right. You know, it, it's it's right here. Right. Long running Black Razor Guild joke, because, you know, occasionally we would have crystal skulls that showed up in the campaign. So nice. Nice. So from the loot locker, uh, we're going to head to our astral hangar bay. Um, and you wanted to tell us about something new out there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I was actually hoping to have a print copy of this in hand, but then the, uh, our, our highlighter died. And so we had to replace the engine <laughs> and, uh, you know, so gaming books kind of like that, that might be a September or October thing. We're just gonna, I, I, I clearly have enough to read without going out and buying additional stuff right now. But in any case, uh, September will arrive, but uh, it's, it's so the, the, the new Spelljammer is out. So this is Spelljammer Adventures in Space. It was released on uh, August 16th. Um, I think that was the, the gaming store release date. I think online it was a little bit later than that. I think they usually do it what, like a two week lead or something. Um, interestingly, it's a box set. So it has a the Astro Adventurer's Guide, which is a 64 page hard back hardcover book, which is like the the player's book the, the player the player's handbook for Spelljammer, basically right right boo's astral menagerie which boo being the space hamster from boulder's gate miniature, miniature space hamster, miniature giant miniature, spacer. miniature giant space hamster from boulder's gate right uh, so that's a monster book which i can't wait to get my hands on the monster book because i'm all about the monsters and then um the light of zarius Zer zarexis okay it's a 64 page hard uh, hardcover adventure it's in the show notes I'm horrible at pronouncing things, so uh, I'm sure somebody out there can correct me on it. Um, and then there's a, a double-sided poster map of the Rock of Brawl, which is a asteroid city. I think I remember reading about that one from the Spelljammer the first time around. And then um, it's got like a sturdy four-panel Dungeon Master screen. So it's pretty. It's a pretty hefty box set. I'm curious to see like how thick the actual box is. Yeah. Um, I always enjoyed Spelljammer. I think the challenge I had with Spelljammer, I don't know that I ever really did any Spelljammer adventures back in the day like i think we may have had like a one shot here or there i liked the concept of it and i think the thing that spelljammer struggled with in the past is like it was kind of a meta campaign right like mm -hmm. it's how if you wanted to go from orith in the world of greyhawk to tyrell in the forgotten realms spelljamming is how you did it right yep. and so i remember paying attention to gray space which was the there were source books that were released for each of the major settings. And so it's like, ooh, gray space. We can finally learn about the planets in the system. And it's like, yeah, I don't know that I care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're I never was, leaving Greyhawk anyway. <laughs> I was really deep into either running my own campaign or playing in someone else's homegrown campaign. Um, like the groups that I ran with, like we might pick up the source material like Greyhawk or whatever, but we would always generate our own our own game worlds. Um, and right. so Spelljammer just didn't fit into that. Um, you know, at, and at the time they were kind of the, I'm trying, I think it was still TSR then, um, was, mm -hmm. was like oh, yeah. coming out with different things. Like Spelljammer came out a little while later, Planescape came out a little before then, I think uh, was Dark Sun and stuff like that. And so like, if you wanted to dive into a particular setting, you could, um, but there were a lot of settings basically. Um, yeah. and I yeah, think there were, and wizards right now is basically like, Oh, it's forgotten realms period, you know, <laughs> and, and only now, 
now that <laughs> D&D 5e is kind of changing thanks to D&D 1 uh, or 1 D&D or whatever one D&D. that's coming out, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of like, well, let's let's put all these other things out there so we can, you know, uh, put them out for 5e or renew the copyright if I want to be cynical about it or, you know, uh, whatever. But. You know, it's I'm interested in it this time around because it just happens to tickle the right funny bone on me, I think, at this point. Yeah. And it is kind of goofy. It has its own aesthetic. I don't know that it really appealed to me back in the day. I think back in the day, I was much more interested in Dark Sun or trying to, like, use the slang in in um, in Planescape. Right. Like Planescape had a it was very edgy, very 90s, very metal. Right. Um Dark Sun, same, right? Like Dark Sun, like all the covers look like they were ripped from a heavy metal album, right? Like just like it is dark and it is despair and magic will destroy the world. Right. Uh, cool. Whereas, Sign me up. <laughs> Spelljammer is like bright and shiny. Yeah, bright. Spelljammer is bright and shiny. Uh, you have giant space hamsters and miniature giant space hamsters and all sorts of other weird. And it, it was like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, compared yes. to like a Batman cartoon <laughs> or something right. like that. Like, like tonally, it was very different. Um, and right. it, it's like and 60s back then, Batman versus. Yes, it was like so 60s, was Batman, like 60s Batman, Batman versus like the Dark Knight or whatever. Right. You know, or or the <laughs> Batman animated series or whatever. Yes, that's where I was going. Um, or Justice League. Um, you know, the those are those are definitely not goofy. Um, whereas right. <laughs> 60s Batman, definitely goofy, but I'm interested in it too. I'm a little disappointed, um, because it happened and I, it was probably due to publishing timelines, but like the new Dragonlance was, has also now been announced. Um, yes. And if you buy Dragonlance, you also get a copy of everything in Dragonlance on D and D beyond as well. Whereas Ooh. you do not with Spelljammer. Yeah. So mm. I was, I was really hoping cause I've, I've kind of gone a lot more in on, on D and D beyond. Uh, I've really enjoyed when I have run a game or played in a game using it, I've enjoyed how it works. Um, and been able to look up so, like we're running the Spelljammer game through D and D Beyond. Right. So, do you want to um, talk about Spelljammer game? Yeah, let's talk about that Spelljammer game. Uh, so Spelljammer Academy is what we're play playing. It's on well, as you just heard, D and D Beyond. Uh, and uh, so I'm running it with D and D Beyond. Uh, using since Spelljammer wasn't out then, people had taken the Unearthed Arcana, like unofficial but probably going to be official rules for the different races that were coming out and put them in as homebrew into D and D beyond. And so, uh, you know, like Ken is, I believe an astral elf, uh, in there, we have a Thrykreen, uh, barbarian, which is just crazy. Um, and, and a cup, and, you know, I think we have almost every single, um, I think we have almost every single character like new character race represented in this game because no one wanted to play like a human right. <laughs> or, or, or something like that. I think the the most possibly standard race is a person playing a Kenku, you know, but that's still not. Yes. You know, that that's like the only non spelljammer race that I think is is that we have in our entire group. Um which is still an unusual uh, species to play. Um, but we're, we're playing with D&D &D Beyond, it, and that's been pretty good. The, the Spelljammer Adventures was released in four segments. Uh, we've played the first two uh, over the course of a month or so. Um, they're not perfect, and I may do like a Seth Skorkowski level of... Uh, like a, a standalone episode, like reviewing the module, but also saying here are the changes that I would make to as a GM to help make the module more playable. Because um, there's there's some stuff in there at what point you get into a spell jammer ship combat 
but there was no ship combat. I was just going to say. No <laughs> ship combat rules. Um, and some other stuff like that. Uh, and so it's, it, it's you know, stuff that I would have expected. And it turns out that I did look up some stuff and there really isn't much ship combat rules in the actual Spelljammer book. There's some things that, you know, when you pick it up, kind of work, kind of don't. Um, but like, it's free. Like right. the only, <laughs> the only thing that I had a problem with was like, they have a support area and it appears that the only thing that they really care about in the support area is if there's like a typo or a, a broken link or something. Cause there were some questions. Like I asked a question at one point. Um, so slight spoiler. So skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear this, but, uh, is that you go into uh, you go into a fight. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about it, but you go into a fight on a spell jammer and you have uh, some ballistas and a mangonel. A mangonel is like a catapult trebuchet thing. Um, right. But and it uses the straight up rules out of D&D for how to run a ballista or a mangonel. Now, we had like six people playing, which is a fairly large group, um, but a ballista takes three actions to load, aim, and fire. And so you can have three people, each of them saying, hey, we want to load, aim, and fire this weapon in one round. Um, or you can have one person over the course of three rounds, their entire action being, I want to load it. I want to aim it. Okay, <laughs> now I want to fire it. That would be utterly boring. Um, the ship has a complement of like, 15 or 20 crew, but nowhere in the game does it say that there are crew other than the characters on the ship. And so, uh, you know, and, and given the situation, there may not have been crew on the ship. Um, or there could be, uh, I ruled that there could be, that there would be, um, uh, but it was, you know, and that basically the captain could direct the crew and I gave them that sort of stuff. Um, but and and I had asked that question and got zero response other than from other people saying, well, you could run it this way or you could run it that way. I was hoping for a bit more of an official answer than what right. they gave. Um, right. We're going to play uh, we're going to play session three uh, tomorrow now that I think about it. Um, yeah, tomorrow should, should probably reread the module again. Um, <laughs> we had to postpone probably. it a couple of times. Um, it's it's fairly straightforward. It's um, so it's I've read it a couple of times already. It's just I should I should probably brush up on it before tomorrow, before the game. Sounds Maybe, like it's prudent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for maps, I've been using Albert Rodeo, and that seems to be going pretty well. Um, even the people who have never used Albert Rodeo have picked it up really quickly. Um, but it's not like a super combat heavy module either. Um, but I also use it to like show the handouts or show the NPC portraits and things like that so that everybody can see it easily. So that was pretty, that was, it's been pretty fun. And now that all four of them out, I think it's a bit more complete. Like there were not some, spell jammer ship maps in the second uh portion of the module but that had came that have now come out in part two and part three and four um unfortunately if you did not it was free uh on on beyond dnd beyond but only if you signed up while they were releasing all four of them Oh, okay. so if you did not, that. if you if you got one of them, you got all four of them. But if gotcha. you didn't sign up before that promotional period ended, they're no longer available, unfortunately. So hopefully oh, they're you not did. even available for they're, they're not even available for sale. Like, it's just I don't know gone. if they're going to make them available for sale or not, but but they're definitely not available for free. I think it's a it was a it's been an interesting introduction to Spelljammer. Um, and I think the people who are playing it in our game like you and others have have become more interested in spell jammer because we have played it so yes i would i would say so 
So I think we had one other thing uh, playing over the speakers in the astral hangar bay. Uh, yeah. What what, <laughs> Just... what has that been? Spell jams. Uh, which is a Wizards of the Coast released a playlist for Spelljammer. Um, I know like none of the music that is in this list. I don't I don't know any of these bands because um, I am old. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go, oh, Magic Sword. Yeah, I totally know those guys. Uh, Reggie Watts. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, but they've got like, you know, the song titles include things like Seeds of Destruction, Arena of Blood, Space is a Place, Visible Lights. Uh, Love is the Disaster, Moon Dancer, um, Space Fighters. And so it's just, it's music to inspire your Spelljammer game. And I always cool. loved running, like when I when I game in the real world, I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever done this online. I know there are ways of, of doing this. I've just never tried it. Um, where you, you know, you have a, I'll put together playlists and then run it during my game um, to find something that's like thematically appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly during Star Wars, I've, I've, forever queued up star wars playlists because at this point we have all of the star wars music you know right um and so it's cool so I, I started listening to it at work i got through like one or two tracks but unfortunately work's been bonkers with meetings and what have you so i just haven't had that nice concentrated time where i could just have it on in the background while i'm doing tactical reviews and stuff so uh check it out uh it, if nothing else it will it will give you some inspiration for Spelljammer. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have feedback, we love feedback. Uh, you can send it to podcast at layerofsecrets.com or via Twitter at Layer of Secrets. We stream this live on Twitch if you want to get your fix of things early and unedited and probably a month or so before it actually comes out as a podcast, uh, given our current editing schedule. Uh, we're Layer of Secrets, all one word on Twitch. And you can also visit layerofsecrets.com and leave us feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. Uh, And as a reminder, if you want some of those free RPG day uh, books, uh, we will send those out to pretty much first come first serve. uh, As long as we see, as long as we see the tag um, on, uh, on Twitter, Uh, if you at layer of secrets as part of your, uh, as part of your post, um, uh, saying, hey, I'd like that free RPG day stuff or Layer of Secrets is an awesome podcast. Uh, you know, any of that, any of that works. Uh, we'll contact you via DMs and uh, um, we'll see about getting that out to you. So, but thanks for joining us for season three, episode one, and hope to uh, see, have you guys, uh, have you all on and seeing us for the rest of season three.